was a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger With every move he makes, another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow Secret agent man, secret agent man They've given you a number and taken away your name Ho ho hello and welcome to a special Christmas Eve episode of FW Presents, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, wishing you seasons, greetings, holiday wishes, whatever you celebrate. I hope it is merry and wonderful. And I'm not alone this episode. I brought along a very special guest. You've probably heard of him on the Longbox Crusade as part of the Crusader Chronicles crew and as the host of Saturday Matinee Theater. He's also got some things to say about James Bond over at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. He's also an artist par excellence whose work can be found on Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, among other things, including my wife's Christmas present, which I commissioned from him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. How are you, man? Oh, man, I can't. With an introduction like that, I don't know what to do. Thank you so much. I'm well, excited to be here. If you want to leave it like that and just sign off, we can end this episode really Yeah, <laughs> we are at a high note. I just can't tell you how excited I am to be on with you know Ryan the Dark Web Daily. <laughs> it's, it's a real honor, man. Thanks for having me on, Dark Web. Well, it is great to have you on the show. Thank you for taking time out of your busy holiday schedule. What are we here to talk about? Well, uh, for you listeners, I shanghaied Jared away from his usual cast of Misfit Toys to talk about a fun little spy adventure that happens to take place on Christmas Eve. The story is from Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., issue 10. But before we start dissecting that comic, Jared, what is your experience or your familiarity with the spy genre in general and with Nick Fury and or S.H.I.E.L.D. in particular? Spy genre in general is probably not as robust as I would like. When it comes to spy stuff, I'm almost exclusively James Bond. I've read just about every James Bond comic. Well, I have read every James Bond comic I can get my hands on. There's a few out there that I'm still after. But it's almost exclusively James Bond, although I did dip my toe into a really great series back in the late 90s and into the early 2000s by Peter David called Spy Boy. And I was tremendously entertained by Spy Boy. I plugged that book every chance I get. So Spy Boy and Spy Boy. Okay. So James Bond and Spy Boy, that's my real route into the spy genre. Now, I believe you asked about Nick Fury and the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sounds like something I would have asked about. Sounds sounds like it. No. Oh, Ryan Weasel Skull Daily, you're <laughs> the best. <laughs> We're just going around the horn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Nick Fury, um, Scattershot. I'm more familiar with Sergeant Fury. I think I've read probably more of his war books mm-hmm. than Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. proper. Of course, I know him from whenever he shows up in other Marvel books, but I don't know that I've just really sat down and read nick fury comics i read a nick fury novel one time those do exist in case you didn't know uh but now i don't know if i've really sat and read the comics until you asked me to read this one 
You know, I'm actually kind of in the same boat for Nick Fury. I, For me, he kind of falls into two different areas of fandom. There's Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, which you mentioned, like, and I think of that as the war book. And, you know, he was like Marvel's basically Sergeant Rock. And then when I think of him in more of a modern context as part of S.H.I.E.L.D., to me, I always saw him as kind of the liaison supervisor character. Um, he was always the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. head honcho who would appear in X-Men stories or Captain America stories or Avenger stories. But I really didn't read any of the the Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. stories for a while. And, and I've still only read a handful from like the Strange Tales anthology and the series that this issue that we're going to talk about is part of like I've read a few of the um Jim Steranko comics just because I heard how he sort of revolutionized the art style and what he was doing at the time which was really cool. But yeah, thinking about this era for uh for Fury where he is kind of like an American James Bond type of character. He's he's called the, you know, the leader of Shield but he's still a field agent. He's running mm-hmm. around doing all of the the deeds whereas I think of him more as what would become the Samuel Jackson version from the movie universe whereas he's sort of overseeing everything. He's the man with the plan, eye in the sky type of character. So to actually see him, you know, getting his hands dirty and running around uh was was a little bit different. If I could just plug something, and I I completely forgot about this until you started talking about the comics. Um, one spy comic book series that I would highly recommend from the early aughts is Queen and Country, uh, written by Greg Rucka. Was it? I think he did it through Oni Press. Um, oh, it, it was, almost got into a fist fight with Greg Rucka one time, but that's we'll do another podcast. Then. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> definitely a story for a different time. But <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I really like that book. It was a small press one, uh, black and white stories, um, very much like talking about like MI5 and, and, uh, like the British sort of, uh, secret service and intelligence agencies and everything like that. I was, I was a fan of that series for a while. So cool, cool stuff that, uh, yeah, you know, I like spy stuff. So that's, that's worth a peek. And you mentioned the Starenko stuff too. I'm, I'm, I just can't believe I haven't gotten around to checking that out. I know of it. I got to get to it. Yeah, it's really fun to look at. I mean, he was he was doing stuff like I think the first issue of the Nick Fury Agent of Shield series, which continued off of what he was doing in Strange Tales for a little while. But once it went to his own, his first issue starts off with like two silent pages. Um, that's just like a, a Nick Fury like spy like sneaking into some like building or whatever and like spying around like fighting people and everything. It's like this was like 1968. How could you do that? How could you get away with doing two silent pages at the beginning of your book? And he was doing it. And it was really kind of wonderful stuff. So, yeah. all right. Uh, we are going to take a short promotional break right now to advertise some of Jared's podcasts or you know maybe some other good stuff. Um, but we will be back in a minute with our tale. So stick I'm around. hoping for good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas, maybe. <laughs> Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and... 
enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Uh, well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my Longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Art by Nate Niles. Colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon. Letters by Percival Constantine. And edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big.com cartel.com that's the yard sale artist.bigcartel.com or you can buy it directly from me creator jared albrecht the yard sale artist at any of my comic-con appearances hamilton versus burr a werewolf tale get your copy today you won't regret it don't take my word for it here's what ming chen from amc's tv series comic book men had to say about it i really enjoyed it a lot of great werewolf scenes in here a lot of great uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> Books like uh, Hamilton versus Burr, A Werewolf Tale. That's Hamilton versus Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Christmas without you. I'll be so blue. The cover to Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. issue 10 is by Frank Springer. It shows an extreme close-up of a Christmas tree with four festive ornaments decorating the branches. On each of the ornaments, we see a face or image from the story reflected in the bulb. We see Nick Fury, the villainous hate monger, Nick Fury's flying car, and the blonde beauty Laura Brown. Jared, what do you think of this cover? This cover is pretty awesome. Um, I, I don't have my timelines exactly right, so until you mentioned moments ago about when uh, Jim Steranko was doing this stuff, when you first assigned me this, I was like, oh, oh, Steranko. But I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But it's still, I, you can see where I was easily fooled, even at first glance, because it kind of has a cool 60s spy psychedelic kind of vibe to it. And, and I know Stranko is kind of famous for that on his covers. So I was like, okay, this is this is pretty nifty. So I think it's real colorful without being super colorful, because Nick Fury's in all blue and Hatemonger, which is the most on-the-nose name for a villain ever, <laughs> is in red. And then you got the car in yellow and the girl in green. Like, they're monochromatic Christmas balls, but when you put them all together, it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially, like, when a lot of the background is just black sort of negative space, or you get mm-hmm. kind of, like, the little brush of the tree branches just kind of giving it almost just like a little accent. The bulbs themselves are almost kind of suspended in the air, but yeah, it's strangely colorful and, and really kind of cool looking like the composition. So I think it's cool. Definitely. I agree. Uh, other little notes about the cover. It had a cover price of a whopping 12 cents. What were they thinking back then? <laughs> wow. No. Uh, the issue has a March 1969 cover date, um, but according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, the actual on-sale date would have been December 5th, 1968. So, timely, right for the Christmas season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to the story. When the blue snowflake Was the Night Before Christmas is written by Gary Friedrich, penciled by Frank Springer, inked by Johnny Craig, lettered by Artie Simek, and edited by Stan the Man Lee. It's Christmas Eve in New York. Nick Fury is walking home to his lonely apartment when he hears a woman scream for help. Turning down an alleyway, he sees two men grabbing a woman. Fury barrels in, knocking one of the would-be attackers to the ground. That's when the woman reveals that she is not their victim, but their partner. Yeah, I know. Even caught by surprise, though, Nick Fury is no man or woman's mugging victim, and he easily sends the trio running down the street to lick their wounds and rethink their lives. When Fury finally gets home, he is surprised to see that it's not so lonely after all. His special lady friend, Laura Brown, has been waiting for him in a very classy dress. Since neither of them have any family, she thought, why not spend Christmas Eve together? Well, guess who likes the sound of that? Fury gets a fire going in the fireplace, mixes them a couple of drinks, puts on a Sinatra Christmas record, and dims the lights so that they can get comfortable on the couch. But, before any chestnuts get roasted, an emergency squawk comes over the S.H.I.E.L.D. radio in Fury's bedroom. It's condition red. S.H.I.E.L.D. has received a message from... The Hate Monger. Fury grabs his coat, kisses Laura, and asks her to wait for his hopefully speedy return. He jumps in his car, which is tricked out with anti-gravity wheels, and flies up above the city to the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, hovering above Manhattan. There, Special Agent Jasper Sitwell informs Colonel Fury that the hate monger is threatening to drop a biological weapon from his orbital space station down on New York, wiping out all 8 million people there at midnight. After a quick briefing, Nick Fury alone boards a S.H.I.E.L.D. self-orbiting attack craft that rockets him up to the space station. Wearing a high-altitude pressure suit, Fury spacewalks out onto the station's outer wall, and with only a few minutes of oxygen is able to find an airlock and sneak inside before running out of air. As soon as Fury gets inside, he is jumped by a pair of the Hatemonger's minions. He fights them off and begins searching for the bomb, but one of them trips an alarm. The Hatemonger orders his men to capture Fury alive, which eventually they do after he whips a whole lot of them first. 
Fury regains consciousness tied up in the pilot's pod of the Hatemonger's germ bomb. Hatemonger explains his evil plan. He's going to drop the bioweapon on New York, killing the whole population. The result will be every nation freaks out and launches their missiles at each other. Nuclear annihilation wipes out everyone on Earth. The only human survivors are the Hatemonger's preferred master race minions on his space station. After the fallout, they go back to Earth to resettle and repopulate. Fury is tied up in the pod, so he gets an extra close view of the inciting explosion. At the stroke of midnight, the hatemonger wishes Fury a final Merry Christmas and fires the germ missile toward the Earth. Fury struggles in vain to escape from his bonds. Meanwhile, two of the hatemonger's minions track the missile in one-man jets. One of the pilots gets antsy, knowing how many times Fury has escaped certain death before. He pilots his tracking craft up close to the missile so he can see Fury through the window of the pod. Just then, something flies between the tracking craft and the missile, something that moves at the speed of light. It is so sudden and so dazzling that the pilot loses control and crashes his craft into the germ missile. The bomb explodes far too high to be a harm to the people below. The pilot's pod is knocked loose and sent plummeting toward the earth. At the last second, Fury is able to trip the ejector seat lever with his foot. He is shot out of the pod, his parachute opens, and he floats down to New York Harbor, where a harbor patrol boat picks him up before he freezes to death. He tells the agents waiting for him at the dock that he'll debrief S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow. For now, it's Christmas morning, and he has got a date. When he gets home, Laura is asleep. He wakes her with a kiss, and they watch the sun rise over the city, which is, for the moment, safe. Just before the two of them deck the halls, Fury takes a moment to wonder, what was that inexplicable something that caused the Hatemonger's pilot to crash into the bomb, saving them all? What could have been flying through the sky at Christmas and saved the day? What indeed? So, Jared... Any thoughts on the big mystery or on this issue in general? <laughs> I think as far as the big mystery goes, possibly could have been Santa Claus. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, I'm down to two thoughts. It's either Santa or the Easter Bunny. Yes, so. possibly Superman. Possibly Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who knows? Man, I've got things to say about this issue. All right, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, I want to give a little context. Uh, you were saying that this was on the stands of December of 68. Yep. Makes total sense that they'd be running a spy book like this. James Bond was at the height of his popularity. It just come off of You Only Live Twice. Uh, the 1969's on Her Majesty's Secret Service were right around the corner. And what I think is truly interesting as a James Bond fan about this book is it's a very similar plot to Moonraker. Yeah. Which comes out in like 1976. Nine. Okay. 1979. I'm pretty sure that's right. If I'm wrong, my brother will just break in at any moment and let me know. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, wow, this is – we are in we are in James Bond hype central. Marvel is cashing in on that with Nick Fury. It's very Bond-esque. Uh, some of my favorite things. And feel free to interrupt with your favorite things because I'm going, pa- I have I'm going none, page so. by page here. Oh, you have not. <laughs> <laughs> well, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> Yeah, I tied it all together. I did. Um, I really like the art throughout the book. And page one is really neat. The way they put made the title, the word "night," the, the background of the mm-hmm. skyline, and mm-hmm. it's very Christmassy. So overall, the art's a lot of fun. But let me pick on the art for a second. Over on page two, when mm-hmm. Nick Fury rounds the corner to help that girl, what is he doing? 
<laughs> looks like he's doing some sort of special jazz hands dance. <laughs> it's an interesting look. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. What is that look? I couldn't do that look if I tried. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what he's doing there. It's God, it's almost like he's doing like a, a dance number from White Christmas or something like that. Yes. He's like in motion, like like he hips hips out to the side, like his legs are kind of like slanted off to the. Oh gosh, it's a weird little. He's got weird. jazz hand going. Like yeah. it's it is definitely funky. But yeah, so that was all all great. And then of course you get the next very Bondian thing where he gets surprised at his house by a beautiful woman. He guesses the wrong woman, <laughs> right? <laughs> And still is smooth enough to get his badly guessed woman to stay. And, and I will I will cop to ignorance here. Like I don't know who this woman is, this Laura Brown. Because at first he's like, is it Val? Because and in the beginning of the series, he's very much involved with a woman named the Contessa Valentina de la Fontaine. Probably just the longest, most obnoxious name to write and and, re, and repeat uh, in Marvel <laughs> Comics history. Um, but yeah, so at the beginning, when he hears it, when he, he feels his hand on, it, he's like, "Oh, Val," because he's talking about Valentina. And then it's like, "Nope, other girl." But he's like, "Hey." Yeah, she does the like come up from behind and cover his eye. I guess <laughs> only took one hand amusingly. Usually yeah, you cover yeah. someone with both eyes. He's got an eye patch, so and she's like, "Guess who?" And he guesses the wrong girl, and she still stays. He's a smooth operator. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and yeah, that uh, was... the way she's dressed, she came there for one reason. Yeah, <laughs> and she yes. it. she's like, "Neither yes. of us have family. We're alone on Christmas. Let's get mm-hmm. to this." <laughs> That's right. She wanted her stocking to be stuffed. <laughs> If you need to edit that out, you go right ahead. <laughs> uh, it's Christmas. We'll give them a treat. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Ryan DJ Cristados. <laughs> I couldn't even get it out. I made myself laugh. Oh. What are you going to do when you get to Death Probe? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've lost track of the page. Oh, it's page. Luckily, they wrote the numbers in the corner. On page nine, I really like the art there because he's doing the spacewalk you mentioned earlier. In his high-pressure suit, which is oddly in Hydra colors. Don't know why they made that choice. Right, right. But I like how the panels kind of float. Yeah, yeah. Just artistically, I thought, that's really cool. They, they, they got The panels just kind of float along like he's floating along. Zero Gs. I was like, that's a cool artistic choice. And then, oh my gosh, we're coming up with my very favorite part. Because then Hatemonger shows up. <laughs> Most on-the-nose bad guy name ever. Like, villainous man is probably the only more on-the-nose <laughs> name ever. I want to find this quote that he said that I was just like, wait, what? It had to do with his back. Because, you know, very James Bondian, you got to tell everybody your master plan before you kill him, right? So he's got Fury dead to rights. He's got him in that pod. All right, time to tell you my master plan. He says, and I quote, for by eliminating all the world's inferior peoples, black, yellow, and white, I will preserve the world. <laughs> you, you caught that too? <laughs> and I'm like, so... Is he Latino? Is everyone on the ship Latino? <laughs> what is going on? The master Puerto know. Rican race. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, I, I noticed that too. When he's, he's like, I'm eliminating black, yellow, and white. It's like, um... Okay. <laughs> who, who are you leaving behind? Like... You are white, sir. Yeah, you're, you're the hate monger. Being white is kind of your whole thing. Yes, this is the bizarrely Puerto Rican hate monger. Oh man. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, so I feel was... like he. I feel like we missed out on some explanation of like 
where he, he's basically talking like like you know sympathizers or traitors to the white race, you know, or something yeah. like that. Kind of, we need some sort of asterisk next to the letter white, the word white, <laughs> like kind white. of explaining asterisk, and you're literally at the bottom is like uh, Irish only. <laughs> like, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> it was really bizarre. Like I was like, it was almost like he was unclear on his own plan. <laughs> yeah. I can just see one of his like one of his henchmen yeah, kind of looking at him. One of the henchmen sort of like perks up when he says that, kind of like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Did, yeah, he, did so, I hear him right? Did you hear him say that? <laughs> I got to kick out. It's funny that I, I you, you actually specifically mentioned Puerto Rico first because I was reading it last night. And my wife was like, what's this comic reading? It's like, it's an old Nick Fury. <laughs> and I got to that point and I was like, well, good news, baby. Because <laughs> my wife's Puerto Rican. <laughs> good news, baby. I showed it to her. She's like, that's pretty funny. Maybe hey, Monger's Puerto Rican, which is exactly what you assumed. Yeah, just... <laughs> uh, aside from that, it was just kind of wild wacky 1960s again the art was really cool i thought it was kind of interesting storytelling how he starts off with his lovely lady at the house he goes to a helicarrier literally goes into space is blown up in a pod and ends up right back in his same apartment all within you know a few hours (laughs) yeah yeah it's like sunrise when she's coming up yeah that's my favorite thing about space and comics is (laughs) you know how hard it is to land in the exact same spot you took off from (laughs) If we had uh, Delvin, uh, Dark Web number two, you know how much he loves space. He would tell us it's dang near impossible to land exactly where you took off from. But he managed to do it. Yeah. But it was, it was all done in a fun, very late 60s Marvel fashion. Obvious James Bond influence. So mm-hmm. I believe I'm done running my mouth. What do you think, my man? Um, I, I really enjoy this. I had a lot of fun. As soon as I read this, I was like, oh, I need to talk about this this year. And I need to get uh, I need to get Jared on this one to talk about with me. Um, a few things about the creator credits, which I noticed because right on the front page, and I love like the whole the title page and everything is really mm-hmm. nicely laid up with, uh, as you mentioned, with the word night all kind of as a picture itself with, with the cityscape and Nick kind of walking out with all these people carrying their shopping bags and everything. And everybody looks like they're doing their last minute Christmas shopping. And Nick is separated by color for one thing, but also just kind of like walking forward, not carrying any presents because he doesn't have anybody that for um, but I noticed the two uh, creators who it mentions up the top, Stan Lee editor and then Gary Friedrich writer, obviously people are probably thinking that, you know, Stan Lee just passed away recently, um, just within the last couple of weeks. Gary Friedrich also passed away this past year, um, just a couple oh. of months ago. Um, and if anybody isn't sure, Gary Friedrich was the creator of Ghost Rider um, for Marvel and Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan. He actually he did a lot of kind of oddball, weird, and in the Marvel horror realm, too, because he started the Monster of Frankenstein title. I've got that one on the brain just because I was reading those this year around Halloween time. And uh, for anybody, if you haven't read it, Monster of Frankenstein issue five is really, really good. Uh, one of the best comics that I've read this past year. Um, I highly recommend that issue. Um, it's a fun little series. Um, and the other ones, Frank Springer, who is the artist, he is actually probably better known as an inker. I think he's done a lot more inking in his career than penciling. Um, but what I knew him from is he had a, a pretty good run on G.I. Joe, actually in like the late 20s issues. Um, uh, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, he came on, he might have come on like with issue 25. Um, and then he was doing a bunch like right around that era. Now, you mentioned that on, on page two, you know, that panel with Nick Fury coming out from around the corner doing his crazy thing. God, I hope I yeah. get it. I hope I get it. <laughs> now, 
Um, this is not mentioned in the issue itself or on Mike's Amazing World or anything, but I was looking this story up um, at mycomicbookshop.com, which is where I sometimes do some shopping when I'm looking for back issues. On that write-up for this issue, it says that page two, from the second panel down, all of page three, and the first half of page four, that it actually isn't Frank Springer doing those, it was Barry Smith, as in Barry Windsor Smith. Now, that's the only place that I've found that credits these pages to a different artist, so hmm. I I don't know. And maybe like the, the inking is making it all look kind of the same. I, I kind of found it difficult to notice a difference. But and it's possible that that credit is just is wrong. But it it is saying that these these couple of pages, pages two, three, and and part of four, were done by Barry Smith instead of Frank Springer. I don't know if I'm just fooling myself now by looking at it, but I feel like I do see a little difference now, especially on that page where where she ex- <laughs> we forgot to mention this the girl mugger accidentally shoots her co mugger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once once they're like, oh, this guy's actually feels, kind of tough. Yeah. Feels different. And the the inking seems cleaner. It looks almost John Romita ish, even mm-hmm. though we know he wasn't involved. I don't know. I might be fooling myself, but I do. Now that you say that, it just does. I do feel a different vibe on it. But you might just be tricking my mind. Yeah. Um. Something else, and I have the luxury. I am actually not reading the normal issue of this. I am reading the story in a treasury uh, because this was reprinted Ooh. in one of the Marvel Treasury editions, the Giant Superhero Holiday Grab Bag from 1975. Uh, yeah, shout out to Rob Kelly's Treasury Cast, which conspicuously has not covered this issue yet, but uh, hopefully they'll get to that in a future year. Um, but the art on this looks really good, blown up, especially the page when we're in Nick Fury's apartment, um, oh, yeah. when he's like putting on the records and everything. You can see a lot of details, uh, like with the shaker, like the lamp that he's when he's dimming, like the lamp, just like the 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 whole like the pattern of that lamp and everything like that. It's some really cool detail. And then one of my favorite details, and I'm not even sure if like on the small size you would notice this, but the second to last page, um, it's when Fury is falling, when he's like parachuting down on that last panel, when you see the Harbor Patrol going to pick him up, there is a wreath in the window of the Harbor Patrol boat. Yes. Yes. I just love that detail. And I noticed that when I read it. I yeah. was like, oh, this this guy's all in for Christmas, man. Exactly. <laughs> How cool. You wouldn't even think of that. But, it's yeah, it's a Christmas story. It's Christmas time. The Harbor Patrol has a wreath in their window. That is freaking cool. What a cool detail to include. I just really, really like that. I have a question about your treasury. Okay. I assume this is not the only story in it. It is not. What else you got in there? What was featured in the treasury? I know this is not an episode of Treasury Cast, but (laughs) my interest is peaked, man. Well, let's make it one. Um, (laughs) There is a uh, Spider-Man story in here um, by uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. It's one of those. Uh, There is a... Um, a Doctor Strange story um, by with art by Gene Colan, who's one of my all-time faves, if not my yes. favorite. And this is from the era when Doctor Strange had the weird mask covering his face and had the weird sort of superhero look. Um, <laughs> there is a very fun um, Luke Cage story. Sweet uh, Christmas. Yep, yeah, yeah, sweet Christmas, exactly. <laughs> um, and then there is a short little, uh, short little Hulk story in here, which I need to reread this because I don't even remember what the holiday connection to this one is. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good little collection. It's got uh, five stories, and like wow. when you look at the collection of who it's got: Spider Man, Nick Fury, the Hulk, Luke Cage, Doctor Strange. That's a really cool setup. Yeah, no Um, doubt. One very interesting thing, though, and this confused the heck out of me when I was reading it, because this treasury is collected from 1975. In the Nick Fury story, 
on the second page, when the story's beginning, the top caption says December 24th. What year does it say in your version? Oh, good question. Let's see. 68. Right. That's when the issue came out. So that was the year. So they put it. It's re-lettered in the Treasury <laughs> one. The Treasury says December 24th, 1975. And that confused the heck out of me because when I was reading this, I was like, wait a minute. This issue came out five years before that. Did Was this issue set five years in the future? Were they doing that? And it kind of like my mind had to play catch up and I was just looking at the cover. I was like, oh, yeah, this Treasury came out in 75. They re-lettered that one little panel to make this story current for that year. How weird. That is weird. That was like a lot of effort for something that didn't really matter at all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, that page other... spread was it twelve and thirteen double page spread probably looks incredible mm-hmm. on, your, on your large scale. There, that's pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah. Other than that, uh, like you said, it's a really fun story. I like that that page when he's doing the spacewalk. Uh, like you mentioned, I like how the panel construction they have him sort of floating there. It's really cool. I like just like the little adventure. You're, I, I instantly thought of something like Moonraker. I was like, oh, he's got a mission. Mm-hmm. He's got to go up to an orbital space station and you know knock out the weapon and everything. It was really fun. The the hate monger, which. Okay, putting his plan to the side because it's a <laughs> his bizarre plan, right? Um, and his costume, which is, whew, he's like a lot of, is a Klansman <laughs> type of a look. But you know what? He's like maybe you know white isn't as flattering for his body type, so he's kind of <laughs> throwing in a lot of splash of color with his Klansman outfit. Yeah, this past year I've been doing a lot of kind of like villain swapping with some comics. Like, who did like this guy? And like, the hate monger was a big foil for Shield and Nick Fury during this time period. But like, I kind of think like for me he would be sort of the perfect villain for somebody like the Falcon um, yeah. because he's like as a white supremacist, white nationalist type of villain. I like to think of the Falcon as sort of having that. Because of his connection with being Captain America's partner, he's not just a black superhero. He's a black superhero who is sort of steeped in a political agenda and has that world. And he was a social worker and like a a political candidate. And he is promoting a sort of social justice cause. So I think having an enemy like the hate monger would be a good foil for somebody like the Falcon. Absolutely. Um, and actually, yeah. when when Falcon or Sam Wilson became Captain America for like a couple of years just recently, for all I know, I haven't read that series yet. I'd like to, but for all I know, he probably did fight the, the hate monger during that era. So I I don't know either. I, I'm I shamefully haven't read it either, which is odd because I I like the Falcon. I, yeah. I believe you and I have that in common. We're big we're yeah. big Falcon fans. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, yeah, it was just it was fun. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you enjoy this issue. I'm glad you were. I wasn't the only one who got to that panel when the <laughs> monger was like, "I will kill all the blacks, yellows, and whites." And it's just, <laughs> like, this is a very specific plan. <laughs> I do I do just want like that cutaway panel to like just two of his henchmen and one of them just sort of like cocking his head to the side, like, "Did you hear that?" And the other one's like, "What? What did he say?" I wasn't paying attention. It's like. I think he just said he's going to kill all the whites too. It's like he couldn't have said that. You, you know, you heard him wrong. Like, I swear, he said he was going to kill the whites too. It's, it's right there. It's a bizarre plan for the hate monger, but hey, you know, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for him. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, 
Before we end this little episode, um, listeners, I have got a little holiday gift for one of you. Um, as you can tell by looking at your listening device, your podcatcher, whatever app you are using, uh, I have titled this episode Nick Fury, Agent of Santa, with Santa being an acronym. The question is, what do those five letters stand for? I don't know. I want you to tell me. Send in your responses either on the website post or via Facebook or Twitter. You have until 11.59 p.m. December 31st of this year. Tell me what you think the acronym SANTA, S-A-N-T-A, stands for. I will decide the winner based on my own criteria and whatever amuses me, and then I will contact the winner. What is the prize for this contest? I don't know that yet either. But it'll probably be a bunch of comics that I want to get rid of and maybe a couple of trades. It'll be good. Trust me. It'll be worth your while. So with that, Jared, please tell the listeners who are probably no longer paying attention where else they can find you on the Internet. (laughs) They're all scrambling for an acronym (laughs) for Santa. Well, bad news. The contest is only open to blacks, yellows, and whites. So no Irish. So good luck, everybody else. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, you can find me in a myriad of different locations, my friend. As you mentioned, I'm on the Long Box Crusade podcast network where we've got a lot of different shows and some by the time this airs, there might even be some new shows. You never know. We're always making stuff over in the Long Box Crusade. And of course, please check us out at uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. If you like the James Bond vibe we have going over here, it's the same crew. From Longbox Crusade, we're just doing a little work for Van Plexico on his White Rocket Entertainment Network. And we have a very specific feed for that, which is on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. You can check me out either place for those. And uh, if you just want to chat with me personally on any of the social medias, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I am at Yard Sale Artist. So check me out. I'm always shucking my comics and my art and, uh, you know, whatever else crosses my path. But uh, I enjoy being here, my man. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. That was great to talk to you about this one. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please support the show by liking and sharing and favoriting and retweeting. Please leave feedback on Facebook, Twitter, and the Fire & Water website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Sweet Christmas, Dark Web. You did a great job. <laughs> oh, Delvin, if he's listening to this one, he's just stewing. <laughs> Seething. Which is what the S in Santa stands for, everyone. I'll start you out. Coming in a big black Cadillac, oh, the Christmas time.